Amen. Good morning. Welcome to the bridge. So grateful you're here this morning with us. Um, you took time out of your week to come and enter into a place of reckless abandon. How many is enjoying the Red Letter Challenge? Did I miss something? How many is enjoying the Red Letter Challenge? How many is challenged by this? Hopefully so. If you're reading it, I assure you, if you uh, are not challenged, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> we need to uh, dig in deeper and allow uh, God to do what he wants to do uh, through the Red Letter Challenge for our church and in our lives. And so beautiful to see so many faces here this morning and uh, what a good looking crowd. Um, why don't you turn around to somebody and just tell them how glad you are to see them this morning. So if you're watching online, you can do that online too. Just welcome others that are viewing online with you on Facebook Live. <laughs> yes. Amen, Sister Joanne. We we love her dearly. Uh, she is the longest tenured. Uh, person here at the bridge she's been here longer than all of us and uh, just we love you sister Joanne and thank you for your encouragement and uh, when Leslie and I first came to the here to the church to pastor um, we've seen the ups and downs and we've been on some pretty high highs and we've been on some pretty low lows and it's beautiful uh, to get to see so many uh, smiling faces here with us today and we're so grateful uh, for you. And it warms our heart uh, because when you come into this church for week after week after week, and I've done it, and Sister Joanne's been with us through it all, and see about eight people coming in the room <laughs> for a Sunday morning worship service and to look around today, it's just an awesome, awesome feeling. And uh, so many people's just got some anticipation in walking in here. and I. I can sense that, I can feel that, that you've walked in here today seeking something and looking for something. And you've accepted the challenge of Jesus that you're uh, allowing him to speak into your life. And when you do that, when you open up your heart and allow him to have his way in what he wants to do with you, uh, I assure you he wants you more than you want him. According to Scripture, he was seeking us before we found him. And I'm thankful for that. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, yet he loved us. How many is thankful for that? Amen. In the midst of our mess, he's still there. And this morning, you know, we're in the Red Letter Challenge, and we're trying to stay on track a little bit with what the book's about uh, with the sermons. But um, I, I've come to find out without having any kind of plan or any kind of sermon wrote out or anything like that that just it's hard telling what I'll say 
and that's okay. And Mylon went home this week and made a <laughs> a meme or whatever you want to call it for me. But Dusty's going to play it next week, and uh, just look forward to that. If you, uh, it's pretty awesome. So uh, let the creative side of the youth come into the forefront. And thank you, Mylon, for um, taking that from your mom and doing it yourself and telling her to get out of the way. Uh, <laughs> that's okay though right uh, young people have a place in church and it's here and it's right now and it's not their church of tomorrow but they're the church of today and I'm so grateful to be in this church house full of crying snotty nosed little kids and a clubhouse over there full of hoodlums and nursery in there eating M&M's amen when you get a hand it to them before they go to the teachers just awesome as a pastor uh, Chuck your grandson's going to do it right today it's going to be awesome back there in the nursery. <laughs> We've seen what he can do without any. I can just imagine with a bunch of M&Ms in him what's going to be uh, possible. So um, how good is that? Um, so last week we talked about being a human being, that uh, God wants us to be. And this whole week in the Red Letter Challenge has kindly um, led us into that and went into a deeper dive of that where that Jesus has something for us to be. He intends for us to be a certain way. And that's easier said than done. That's not um, easy because guess why? Life is not easy. Life is tough. Life will kick you in the face. And Jesus understands that. He understood that from the time... As an early baby in a manger until his last breath on the cross, that life is tough. But he came to show us an example of how to live life and live it to its fullest. Because he said in John 10, 10 that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. A Christian life is a full life. Not that there's no hurt. Or there's no pain. And in being, you're going to come into circumstances that you don't like as a Christian. You're going to be in a church service at some point if you hang with this thing. Blessed is he endures to the end, for he shall be saved. you got to stay in. you got to endure things. you got to hang with it. In some church service, there's going to be something said that's going to hurt your feelings or maybe it's as some of the old preachers would say it stomps on your toes for that day I guess just wear your steel toed boots and it'll be alright right Tom just put steel toes on when you come to church and stomp all you want man I'm good I'm guarded But this week that we are beginning now and uh, that we're in the book and some of you is on uh, day 15, some of us are on day 14, right, Joe Don? We're a day behind, but that's all right. We're just, uh, it'll be okay, won't it? Yeah, me and my pals will be on day 14, on day 15, but I'm just following Joe Don's track. <laughs> and it's okay. And it's okay to miss a day and go back and catch up a day. It's okay to miss two days and go back and catch up two days. It's okay 
to read ahead and try to be nosy Nancy and get in front of it. And whatever style you want to be, go ahead and be. <laughs> Amen? But this week that we're supposed to be studying through um, the second week or second challenge um, in the regular challenge is forgiveness. And after you learn how to be, now we've got to learn how to forgive. And how many loves forgiveness? How many loves the forgiveness of Jesus that he washed away your sins <laughs> as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again, allowed you to know without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to enter into heaven someday and be with him and his father forever in eternity because of his forgiveness? Did you deserve it? No. Did he give it? Yes. So I want us to look at uh, Luke, the gospel according to Luke. Luke was a physician, so that means he performed surgeries. And this is very surgical in how he wrote it, so just go ahead and understand at this moment right now that this one's going to be a tough one. Uh, this is going to be one of them sermons that you'll say, man, I'm glad I went today, but I don't know that I like that. How dare Jesus expect that of me? I'll expect it of others, but no, not me. So, um, Luke chapter 17. Jesus warns. How many likes a warning? You know, a lot of uh, NFL teams, they like the two-minute warning because it uh, totally changes how they're playing the game. Last night the game was, I don't know, it seems almost impossible to go from 27 to zero and somehow turn that around and win 31 to one. It just impossible things happen when you take it serious, right? So Jesus warns like a two-minute warning. So here's your two-minute warning. Then he said to his disciples, Jesus here, so we're getting into some red letters in John or in Luke chapter 17. It is impossible. Everybody say impossible. This is Jesus talking now. This is not Ben reading. This is Jesus talking. It is impossible that no offenses should come. Has anybody ever been offended? <laughs> Somebody offends you? It's like, how dare you? Jesus said it's impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. Praise the Lord. I'm glad there's a woe to him who offends. Verse 2 adds a little bit more to it. Jesus is going deep here, and he's telling his disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come. They're coming, but woe to him to who they come. It would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck, and he were thrown into the sea, and that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves, 
If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times a day he returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. I don't know about you, but this don't align with my being. The same offense. How do you forgive seven times in a day for the same thing? That doesn't make logical sense in my being or in my existence of how I conduct myself in this life. But this is Jesus saying it's coming. It's, there's no way possible that an offense won't come. It's coming. Look at your neighbor and say, are you offended yet? Not yet, Ernie says. <laughs> Give me time. It's coming. And surely nobody in this room has ever been offended at somebody else in this room. You know, we're like these Christian perfection works of art. Um, there's no offense in the room. Everybody's like, I'm just so glad that they're here this morning. <laughs> this is the bridge. We'll be truthful whether you like it or not. It's impossible that an offense won't come. It's coming. If you're not offended, you will be. If you're not hurt, you will be. It's impossible that it won't happen. This is Jesus' words. It's not mine. It's truth, whether we like it or not. I don't want to be offended. I don't like being offended. It hurts when you're offended. And when it happens seven times in a day... That hurts even worse. It's like, I just forgave you 15 minutes ago, fool. What's wrong? Are, are you not getting the picture here yet? And all the while, Jesus is up in heaven and said, I told him. <laughs> Dad, I, I went down there. I told him. I had him on the hillside one day. I had my disciples out there. And I was, I was talking to him. And I, I remember the message. And, and Luke wrote about it. And here it is. I told him he was going to be offended. And these group of disciples that he was speaking to, do you think they were offended by each other? How many of them like to hang out with doubting Thomas for three and a half years and everything Jesus says, Thomas in the background, I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, how, cra how crazy. Anybody know a doubter? He's still one of Jesus' disciples. He's just a doubter. He's negative natured. It's, it's like, Come on, man. Jesus said, come follow me. He didn't say, come and backbite all the time behind me. It's probably offensive to some of those disciples sitting here listening to this. And every time we hear one of these messages that Jesus starts speaking to our heart, we automatically start thinking about, this is to that person. And you're probably sitting here right now thinking, I'm glad Pastor Ben is reading that one right now because I know the one in the room that needs to hear this. You're sitting there and you're thinking about this imagery is whenever it comes and you know Jesus said offense will come and whoever comes through would be better for them to have a millstone hung around their neck and threw in the sea and it's like whoa yes Jesus go get them this is my kind of day hallelujah take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you rebuke him 
That's not easy. See, the easy thing to do is cower, not say anything, act like everything's okay, and just pretend for a little while and try to say, I'm not offended. Oh, it didn't bother me. I got big shoulders. I can bear it. Mm-hmm. But all the while inside, eating inside this little brain is like, it's eating away. It's just continuing. And it'll flash its ugly face often that that offense is there and you never said anything. And Jesus is saying this here so that his disciples understand you need to say something. And I, I don't know what a rebuke exactly looks like. I don't know perfectly in a picture form what that would look like, what a rebuke would look like. But I just, I was watching a T.D. Jake's sermon about forgiveness and some of this stuff right here because he's like the preacher among preachers. If you've never heard of T.D. Jake's, you need to look up T.D. Jake's. He's an awesome, awesome preacher. But pastor's a mega church now in Texas, but he pastored a church about this size in Charleston, West Virginia, and somehow God plucked him out of Charleston because of preaching on TV one time, and a megachurch said, here, come be our pastor, and now he's down in Texas preaching to thousands around the world, leaving global conferences, people everywhere. If you've never heard of Z.D. Jakes, he's, he's used by God. Am I saying he's perfect? No. And I can be offended by some of the things that he says, but guess what? God allowed God to use him just like he is. And he is one of the most masterful preachers there is. But he, he, he had this illustration in his sermon that was like this. So it's like, um, you, you care to come up here? You, okay. And I, I want you to hit me. Yeah, just not real hard if you don't care. Okay, that's, the, that's, that's, that's about right. That's, that's kind of what I pictured. That's the kind of one I was wanting. So, that, yeah, that's, that was my desire. I was hoping for not, I can't wait for this. And, you know, like a kidney shot or something. But, you know, and that was just one. So you, you can keep, like, about that same, yeah, about that same kind of pressure. Yeah, yeah, just keep it coming. That's, that's three. We're up to three, four, five, six, seven. Now, stop. Okay, it's enough. You've had your feel of it now. I forgive you, right? But what if he does it again? Well, Jesus said seven times in a day, an eighth day, whack, you know, I'm going to hit back. Is that how it's supposed to be? That wasn't the intent of the scripture, was it? The intent was it's ongoing. That forgiveness is unlimited or so you, you can be seated because I don't want no more hits because you're... He was thinking, man, if he gives me a round two here, it's going to be, it's going to be good. So, but that picture of the rebuke of stop causes them to stop. So when Jesus says offenses are coming, but you need to, as a Christian, learn how to rebuke or rectify situations. And T.D. Jake said in his sermon about how that. Um, he learned in business, and, and I, I've seen this in business too, that you write in your uh, business model or your plan or your contracts, you write this uh, terms or conditions of arbitration. Has anybody ever been through arbitration or seen arbitration? It's in those for sure. It's in mine. 
And it's, it's a good thing, right, Kenny? You, you've been through arbitration, I'm sure, as a steward and stuff. And, but the thing is, they write that arbitration clause in there preemptively, too, because they know there's going to be times of disagreement. How many believes right now there's going to be disagreement at some point in your future? So this arbitration method is, how am I going to deal with it when the offense comes? How are we going to settle this thing when the offense happens or the hurt happens? And he talked about how that, that arbitration clause is in the beginning where if you first start a business or write a contract and go into a project, you're writing that up front because you know it's going to happen. There's no doubt at all. And I'm sure logging, you've never run in any of the loggers in here? How, how many is a logger? I want you to raise a hand if you've log, been logging, are logging, right? So you ever been in a disagreement over where a little fence is? Maybe within on a 100-acre plot, within three foot, it's a disagreement, right? The, I can't believe that three foot, they come over here on mine, they got that one tree. Hopefully you've never done that. Everybody's awful quiet. Um, <laughs> hopefully there's nobody in the room that they come over three foot on your line. It's not the end of the world, right? But arbitration would be we got this independent person that would settle that dispute of the two disagreeable, both each other are rebuking each other, and they go to this independent source to say, you make a decision because we can't. Has everybody, anybody ever been offended so much that it seemed like you couldn't even work it out? Irreconcilable differences. Just can't do it no more. I can't do that no more. What if we would let the greatest arbitrator ever make the decision in between differences of opinion? And who would that greatest arbitrator that ever existed be? Jesus himself. That the God of heaven, we would rely on him and his word to settle disputes and disagreements among ourselves. But there has to be a rebuke there that says, I'm over it. So when you're offended, it isn't to be hidden, but it's to be dealt with. Okay? So if you're offended right now sitting in this room... What Jesus is telling us today is you need to deal with it. You need to resolve those differences. How do you do that? Do you go to the person and perform an equal offense to them that they've offended you? No. I didn't want to punch him a minute ago. For one, he's younger than me. <laughs> Stronger than me. I'm not going to get in that fight. So when we're offended, we don't, it doesn't mean for us, a rebuke doesn't mean to go and offend with equal repercussion to what you've been offended by. The rebuke is, it hurt. I'm hurt, and I would like for us to go through a process of conflict resolution to figure out how can Jesus help us heal this hurt. And it's not flesh and blood. There's things in the spirit realm that we have to give obedience to Christ to say, I can't fix this. I need you. 
And sometimes when these disciples were sitting here, and I can just imagine them, and you know, Peter the cusser, the, you know, you just name down through them. They've all got some pretty heavy baggage to lift. And when Jesus is preaching these kind of sermons and telling these disciples these things, I'm sure they're depicting others when Jesus is not talking to others, he's talking to you. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. That's easier said than done. And in reality, it's not easy in the church world. But in churches, you can be offended in a church. But Jesus is what... You tell him, buddy. He's, he, if you won't speak up, he will. <laughs> but forgiveness is when you rebuke and you let them know the offense, that the forgiveness is issued because they repent. They say, I'm wrong. And a lot of times people, there's offenses that happen. Sometimes somebody offends you, and they didn't mean to offend you. They don't even know they offended you, and you never said anything. You're packing the burden of it. They don't even know what's going on. But because you never said anything, there's no ability for that conflict resolution to happen. So Jesus is telling them, be fair with your neighbor. Don't hold offenses and not let each other know how you feel. Be truthful of each other. Be mindful of one another. And this, this story is just so sort of crazy because you know, the Red Letter Challenge, it, it talked about in the introduction parts, uh, the author was writing, and he said, you know, sometimes it's we're talking about forgiveness, and he goes into this uh, imagery of a couch. And he has this couch, you know, and he says, you, you take a couch, it looks all glorious on the outside, and it's just really clean. You can even take a vacuum cleaner and clean the outside of the couch, and it just looks like, wow, that's comfortable. And... When you look at that couch, it's like everything's perfect. But if you lift up the cushions, you'll see the things down inside of there. So during our red letter challenge, when you go into other people's house, don't stick your hand <laughs> down in the cushion. It's probably going to offend somebody <laughs> when you pull something out and be like, what is this? Don't do that in front of everybody. You know, wait till it's over or something. But... But that couch imagery, and I, I was thinking, and you know, even in the, the sermon preparation, it, he, he says to literally bring a couch to the, to the platform, you know, to just, just uh, bring a couch in and sit down in it and then start pulling these things out to paint the picture for you guys to kind of see what it's like for all the mess that's on the inside of all of us. That, that couch is a picture of us. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a mess. Look at your neighbor and say, I've offended some people. I've been offended by some people. Yeah. So that's some of the mess that's down inside the couch is these unresolved, irreconcilable differences. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, man, Leslie just bought a brand new couch, so hopefully there's not a lot of junk down in our couch yet. So I was thinking about asking one of you guys to bring your couch, but you wasn't allowed to clean it or look under the cushions. And... <laughs> Before we brought it in here and set it down, then I was going to take it off and, and, and literally pull out everything we could find inside of your couch. But 
who who would have brought your couch? Anybody would you have brought your couch and be like, I, I would have gladly uh, volunteered. I can't believe I get to use my couch for the presentation today at church. It's so awesome. I didn't get to clean it either. Probably nobody would. And it, it's kind of like that same imagery that I wouldn't bring my couch here, our old couch that we had before, you know, because Jake and Zoe and Mindy and we've had Oscar and Buddy and Meow Meow, uh, Phoebe, yeah, we, we've had, it's hard telling what would have been in that couch. But Leslie didn't care because she took it out and sat in the front yard and took a picture of it and said, if anybody wants it, come get it. Didn't clean it. I hate to know what those people that come and got that couch <laughs> found. That's offensive. They come and got it. I don't know where it's at. It's somewhere in those counties, all I know. But he talks about how that that's an image of our life and a picture of our life that we all have junk. We all have unforgiveness. We all have hurt and pain. We've all been through some stuff that life has literally, like I said in the beginning, kicked us in the face. But in that, do we want to stay that way? So the question for us, do we want to remain and continue in the hurt, or am I ready to deal with it? And you're better to do it sooner than later. You're better off to rebuke. That means bring it to their attention. And deal with it. And when they say, I'm sorry, when they say, I didn't know, and you're sitting there probably thinking when they're saying, well, I didn't even know I hurt you. And you're sitting there thinking, how can you dare say that? I've been hurt for a year. <laughs> Why didn't you say something? How many know somebody that's oblivious? Maybe they're sitting by you. I don't know, but there's some oblivious people out there that don't even know when they, you know, they just live life and hope for the best, I guess. Or something. I don't know how they do that. It's, I try to pay too much attention. Get them crew. <laughs> but the story don't stop there so I, we can't end this sermon like this so we gotta, we gotta go on and seven times a day he returns to you and saying I repent you shall forgive him so every time they hit you you gotta, you gotta say I forgive you and really truly it wasn't like I said a minute ago giving you a seven time that's it in one day type of thing it's as many times as they come back and say, I need forgiven. And that's not easy. That's hard to not get offended that Jesus expects us to forgive infinite, never-ending, more than you even got within you in willpower to forgive somebody over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I could keep saying over until the sermon's over. That's how many times Jesus wants you to say, I forgive you. Amen. And the reason we need to do that is because we keep going back to him over and over and over and over and over with the sins we commit, right? So we can't expect grace from him and not extend grace to somebody else. And grace is not fair. 
I don't know if it's in the book. I don't remember. I've not read ahead on the book, but I know there's a, a thing in the book about, or in the sermon guide about getting a ticket. Did anybody ever get a ticket? A cop pull you over? Do they wait until the most opportune time? Is, is it like, does those cops out there on, you know, and there's some cops sometimes attend here, so we've got to be careful what we're saying, I guess. But um, do, they, do they just wait and say, like, man, I can't wait till this certain, certain day at a certain, certain time that I know they're going to be going this fast and I'm going to sit right here because I know they come through here every day. And Some of them might do that. I don't know. I don't know cops' mentality, so I've got to be careful. But um, and it's, I've always been mad because, you know, working, when, when you work, it's like, why in the world are they out here pulling people over at work? Because I can pay it? Is that, is that why they're sitting out here work time and they're getting us and they know all these construction workers are coming out the gate at the same time and they're like, why now? Go in the middle of the day when everybody's out loafing. Go get one of them. Make, make them pay. I feel like I'm the only one that ever gets mad at a cop. And everybody else sitting here like, no, I don't do that. I just, I just take my ticket and go on and... I just forgive them for giving it to me and just, mm-hmm. But usually it's the most unopportune time when that happens. And I, I've got a lot of tickets in my life. I, I've, I've got tickets by cops that I didn't think would give me a ticket. Right? They're my friend. <laughs> yeah, they are. Are they supposed to be biased in how they do their duty? No. So these cops, you know, and it's just really weird because sometimes you're in a rush. Anybody ever been in a rush? It's like I didn't plan, I didn't think through, and I didn't set enough time aside so that I could get there on time. And, and in the middle of my rush, in the, in the middle of my trying to get where I'm going because I've got to be there and I've set a deadline and somebody told me when to be there and I'm trying to meet this person and I'm taking off and I'm driving real fast and this just happened a while back. So, um, <laughs> and you're going down through a place of the road that you're going down all the time. You've never seen any cops there and you're like, yeah, I can get through. I can get by with it this time. And, and you go kind of speeding down through there and you're heading through there and all of a sudden this brand new greenhorn state cop looks like he just got out of the academy three hours ago 18 years old come on somebody just cause he's got a badge comes walking up to my truck I, who do you think you are him very cautiously sir do you know why I pulled you over yeah, I know. I was speeding. Do I look oblivious to what's going on? I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm going. I'm busy. I'm going somewhere. Where are you going? Well, I'm going down to the church. Okay, that's really nice. I'm the pastor. Don't look at me like that. None of you sit here. You better be extending some grace. You got to forgive me. And that cop, you know, he's like, okay. And he goes back to his car and, and he types in his stinking little goofy computer on his dash. The offender was going at a high rate of speed. And I was. 
but it's on the double A, man. It's 55 fair on that road. There's nothing about that right. I don't know if there's any legislators ever watched this, but come on, man. 55 ain't enough on the double A. But they'll sure hold you to it because it's what the sign says. And I don't blame him, poor little feller. He's just trying to do his job. I'm sure he wanted to write a ticket the first hour out of school. I just happened to be the victim. But they say in this sermon uh, preparation thing that they, they tell you, he tells the story about how he did that, but then the story was that the guy that wrote this book, Red Letter Challenge, he, he did that late at night trying to get home, and he told the guy, you know, he's a preacher and trying to get out of it. Basically, that's why you do that. That's just one of the things you can do. It's kind of like one cop's got a badge, and if they get pulled over, they show the other cop their badge. It's like, be safe next time, sir, and get away with it for free. Don't seem fair, but that's the way it is. And... Uh, Preacher don't work. Um, so whatever your occupation is, maybe it'll work. Mine, mine didn't work. He didn't feel too sorry for me. He's like, oh, you, you're all about grace. I'm going to extend. He didn't do that. So he wrote me the ticket, you know, high rate of speed. Um, and uh, so the author of this book says that he did that one night coming through his neighborhood, and he was running, uh, I think it was 38 and 25. I mean, that's not too bad. You know, almost double, close, you know. And... Um, it's like trying to get out of it, and the guy wrote him up anyway, and he said, I'm going to give you some grace. I'm going to write you up for 35 and a 25. And he says in, in, in the book, you know, he says, 35 and a 25. That's not grace. Grace is you would just give me a warning. That's what grace is. Grace is doing away with all of it, not part of it, three mile an hour. That don't even mean anything. Just write it up for 38. Go ahead. He said he was thinking these things. He didn't tell the cop that. But, you know, it's hard to explain grace to somebody that don't understand it. And, um, but he's, uh, they tells the story that the next morning, the very next morning, within 10 hours, he takes his kids out and gets them loaded in the car to take off, take his kids where they need to go to the school, whatever. And, um, guess what? The same exact cop <laughs> within 10 hours time catches him running a stop sign in the same community. I'm sure that cop wasn't feeling very graceful that day. So he wrote him up for <laughs> evading a stop sign. And then he says that he goes through this, and he, he says, you know, you're going through it, and it tells you on the, on the ticket you can go and defend yourself in court, right? Thank God for court, right? How awesome is that to go stand before a judge? That that's, feels awesome. And he says you can do that. You can go stand before that judge. But guess what? As you go stand before that judge, you've you got to have a pretty good case. Because they're going to judge off according to the law. It's kind of like PBAs, you know, go by that same standard, right? You just got to do what you got to do. Yeah, okay, I just want to make sure. I didn't know. Um, so the judge is going to judge according to the law. But the part of the law is that those who were offended has to show up. So if you go and present yourself to the court and you got pulled over two times within 10 hours and that cop doesn't show up, guess what? Dismissed. Slam the gavel and it's over. And that's what happens with his two tickets. Does that seem fair? That just because that cop didn't show up, 
to state his claim against him that it was dismissed? If that's what the law says, absolutely. And as Jesus said often, where is your accuser? The story of the woman caught in the act of adultery that's in the first, you know, we've already read. And, and that woman's there, and, and they all come, and they're going to stone and kill her. And they can't wait till she's, she's deceased because she got caught in adultery. And, and they say all these things. And as that's happening, Jesus speaks a few words. He, without sin, casts first stone. Nobody throws a stone. And when nobody throws a stone, next thing you know, it's awful quiet around. Jesus looks up. She's the only one there. He offers her forgiveness for what she had done. But he says, go and sin no more. He could have held it against her. But the accusers wasn't there. And he forgave it. Guess who our accusers are? The enemy himself. And do you think the devil wants to show up in God's courtroom and try to hold it against you? Our case is better when we've been washed by the blood. Amen. I've been justified. I've been sanctified. I've been filled with the Spirit of God. I'm saved by God's grace. And that salvation is as real as anything on the planet. And when we stand before God someday, our salvation is assured that the enemy is not going to be able to hold a fence against us. Because why? It's forgiven. You've been justified by Christ. But um, we got another baby dedication right here in a minute to do. What you do, go change a diaper? Fussy? Oh, so he didn't poop his pants. No, okay, okay, that's good. Um, but so... Mess my hair up. Um, anybody online? You want to see this? You can. Lewis County Historical Society. How many loves history? I love history. I love studying history. I love going down to historical society. I don't get to go often because I'm so busy and stuff, but. Uh, I love going down there and reading through stuff. I love hearing George Plummer tell the history of Lewis County, and he knows a lot of it, and it's pretty awesome to get to go do that. And I kind of, they sell these shirts so that they can uh, buy stuff to help uh, the historical sites. Just a little bitty white building down there. It's right across from the Kentucky Farm Bureau. If you've never been there, I encourage you to go some Saturday and go down there and sit and talk to some folks. They'll help you look up your family history. They can, you know, they've got a, uh, Ancestry.com account, and they can go back and find anything. They can find census from 1800s, early 1800s, and find out who's who and stuff. But it's pretty awesome. And, and I wanted to wear this one because um, I, I read a meme this week that said, "History doesn't repeat itself; humans repeat." And when I read that, how, how many's ever heard that? That history repeats itself. Like it's some kind of history is some kind of existence or being that dictates what we have to do. That history repeats itself. And I've heard that in forms of some people believe in generational curse. 
How many's ever heard of a generational curse? Well, my mom and dad dealt with it, and my grandparents dealt with it, and now I'm just going to have to deal with it. Like a curse gets passed down, that history gets to dictate what you do. And when that being said that, it's like, how? History doesn't repeat itself. Our being and how we act repeats history because we don't change. And in this challenge, I believe that this week as we study forgiveness, we have to accept God's challenge to say, I have to forgive. Not that I get to, I have to. I can't ask him to forgive me if I'm not willing to forgive others. And that's not easy, that's not pretty, that's not clean. And it might cause you this week to have to go talk to somebody that you don't want to talk to because they offended you 15 years ago. But guess what? If we want a clean slate, let's make a clean slate. And if the book challenges us to do something, let's do it. Because I don't want to have to keep enduring the same pain over and over and over and over. So if you're offended in this place today, if you're offended that this is the sermon, if you're offended so much that you sit here saying, I just seem to, I wish I'd have just stayed home probably really was for you it's for me it's for all of us in here because all of us hold grudges all of us hold bitterness in our heart all of us have been offended all of us have endured pain and Jesus is asking today as I forgive you forgive others it's easier said than done but don't just say it do it so whatever you do this week let's make some things right and let's be the Jesus that the world needs to see because he wants to change us so that his image can be shown through us in our lives. Be real, be faithful, and do what God's called us to do. It's baby time. So let's bring the baby up here. If the family will come. Dusty said it'd be pretty awesome if we just do baby dedications every week. So uh, about nine months out from right now, we expect a lot of babies, I guess, what Dusty's declaring. I don't know. Is that for you and Albie? Is that what you're saying? Like, no? Okay. I just wondered how that was going to go. Um, so come on. So this is Easton James Kegley. And we've got a certificate. No, you guys got to get up here. It's a family affair. You know, you know, somebody else can hold that. No, you can't get by with it. It's, it's part of the job. It's part of job responsibilities of Nana, Grandma. Okay, they're, they're on here. So come on over here. Yeah, come on over here. There's surely somebody else that's family to. Todd, come on. Jennifer, come on. Beth, come on. Grace and Nash, wherever they're at, get get on up here. You know, I, I know family's tough and all, but come on. Huh? Any other family? Grace and Ashley. No, Earl, go get Grace and Ashley. You're in charge. Ashland. So baby dedications in Scripture are... Um, imagery of
people dedicating a child to the Lord because uh, to not dedicate oneself to the Lord is to not be a part of what the Lord wants to do in her life. And how many believes God's got a plan for this little feller? I mean, look at that. If that's not precious, I don't know what is. And as always, uh, names mean something. And, and people uh, sometimes get in arguments as families over names. I, I don't know if that happened here. Maybe some, sometimes it does. I've, I've seen occasions of that. that people get offended because of names and stuff like that. But um, Easton James, um, Megan yesterday. Big Brother Alert. Um, I, Megan sent me a text yesterday to just explain kindly some stuff about um, this dear little baby and, and his name. Um, they had planned to name him something different, but God changed things. And his timing is better than our timing. And Megan had worked so hard last year to get to the point. And pretty amazingly that the Lewis County Little League was chosen through a whole system of process to be uh, represented at the World Series and for the Little League. And um, how awesome is that? Come on, somebody. That's, this little baby here is representing that. Uh, she was carrying him around in her belly during a... <laughs> trying to keep a bunch of people happy where there's no offense in Little League. I mean, everybody there just gets along. You know, coaches don't really hold it against each other. Or, you know, well, my kid didn't ever play. And, you know, all that. Um, some of that. But this is about you, Easton James. So she said that they changed the name because uh, of how it went down. So who's going to – Kenny, you going to tell that story or you going to, you going to defer? I, I wanted to give you the opportunity We were supposed to be in um, Pennsylvania uh, accepting the award on behalf of the Lewis County Little League and uh, Easton. We watched them representing us on TV as I was delivering him. <laughs> so I had to call them and say, we're not going to make it. We're having a baby. And uh, the time that he was born is basically the time that we would have been on the mound in front of all these people. Um, so anyways, we changed his name from Brayden Michael to Easton James, Easton being a baseball bat. <laughs> so I actually, uh, we had, they had made a little baseball bat, or was it you or my, my family had made a little baseball bat with his name and info, and I uh, had our uh, family photographer take a picture of him, and I sent it to Little League International saying we weren't lying, we really had a baby that day, so... So the baseball bat, heavy hitter. <laughs> and they're dedicating him to the Lord for God's purposes to be fulfilled in his life. And as always at the bridge, we don't want this family to have to raise the heavy hitter alone. But we want to encourage them and say that we will stand with them in obedience to Christ to say that as a church that if they have a need they can call on us that if they're having some troubles some trials some afflictions that they can call on us and say I need some help 
And as a church, we need to be that help and that assistance to them. And just like last week, I'm going to challenge you. How many will say that you'll stand with this dear family and stand with this heavy hitter to say, I'll be a part of that body of Christ, body of believers, to say, I'll be there for them and with them. And if they need help, letting this family know they can call on you. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture and imagery. And that's what Christ says, that we're to be there for each other and be a blessing to each other. So I've done my part. I signed my line, and uh, you guys are going to have to sign your part to solidify the statement. And we're going to pray over this little baby. So if you would, just stretch forth your hand with me and pray for Easton James. Father, we thank you for this dear baby. God, this miracle that was delivered, God, to this family. And God, his life that he's living in right now, God, that he's existing, that he's being who you've called him to be as an infant. God, I pray that you would just cause a grace to come over this family, that this family would be a household of mercy, a household of your blessing. God, that your support for them would be there through this body of believers here at the bridge to say, we'll stand with you will help lead, guide, direct. We'll teach nursery. We'll teach children's church. We'll be there in youth group that we will assist Easton James throughout his life. And God, that we would let him be grow up in the admonition of you, that you encourage us in your word, that we would teach, lead, and guide, and instruct him according to your word. And God, I thank you today that You've allowed him to be dedicated this day on this specific time. And God, I pray as offenses would come to Easton James, God, let him be a heavy hitter that makes a difference in this world. God, that your spirit would rest upon him. Lord, that he would, he would be that mediator. Lord, that he would be the one in between, that he would cause friends to get along that he would speak your truth with boldness, that he would declare your word as a healer. And Lord, that he would raise up and call you blessed according to your word. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There we go. Beautiful, beautiful picture. Uh, they have an awesome testimony of so many things, and God is good. Amen. We're so glad you was here with us today and uh, able to come out and be with us here at the bridge. And uh, I think God is asking us today to be to be better and not bitter, and to not hold offense, but to forgive. Won't you just take a moment just just close your eyes and 
be real with Jesus here in just a moment. Just and I want you to ask him a very simple question. Jesus, if I'm offended by someone and maybe in my mind I've, I've just hidden it away and I've it's a past offense that's stuck down in that couch that I didn't even know was there. But it's hindering me from my future and from the forgiveness that I need to extend to others. Bring back to remembrance, God, those offenses so that I can deal with them and that I can rebuke that, that I can work it out. And Jesus, even if it's messy, and in the same way, Jesus, we're asking you to, if we've offended someone and we know we have and we know that it hurt them and we've caused pain of others. God, I pray today that you would just allow me to go to them and to ask for forgiveness and, and to plead with them to forgive me for my faults and rectify situations. God, bring healing to relationships. And for those that hurt too deep, for those that's sitting here today and they're anguishing and pain. God, I pray that your healing from above that only can come from you would come and mend. Repair the breach. God, that you would heal from the inside out and those that are sitting here that's been hurt so bad by so many. God, that they can't accept your forgiveness because they know that it's too much that's too much to deal with God I pray today as you're knocking on their heart's door allow them to open up to you and allow your forgiveness to come flushing in and Lord that it would purge from the inside out so, so much of that pain so much of that disruption that their life is a mess because they can't give it up God help them today when they say they can't do it God you come in and do what only you can do be the healer That your word says that you are our healer. Jesus, you said in Psalms 103 that you heal all manner of diseases. Physical, spiritual, mental. God, that you heal like no other can. We pray for that today. We pray for that today over our community. Over our families. In Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen.